Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alton, sitting down with Keith Myers. Welcome in, Keith. Hey, Bill. So, um, rookie minicamp was uh, this last weekend. So, uh, early chance to get a look at some of these guys that got drafted, all of the guys that were um, signed as undrafted free agents, and a few tryout guys. Um, a lot of a lot of normalcy. It, it very much felt like a normal uh, rookie a good mini camp and not, you know, something like the last two years where COVID has been, you know, kind of screwing with everything. This one felt just like normal. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. No, you're right. And they had, uh, in addition to the, uh, the 14 undrafted free agents and the four or five invites uh, for tryouts guys in, they did have uh, quite a few of their rookies. They drafted in the 2022 NFL draft uh, a week week and a half ago at this point now mm-hmm. and also they had a few of their players second year players come back and participate in this thing including Aaron Fuller, Cade Johnson, uh, Pierre Olivier Lestage every time I get a chance I like to say his name and Miles Adams uh, Aaron Donker was out there doing walk-arounds although he wasn't full participant um, because of his ACL that he had Lee Camp Williams and Alex uh changum were there as well so so i'd throw that in there before we start talking so let's start with the draft picks keith i think Mm -hmm. that um that's well first of all i think something to explain to people about the the mini camp it's not really a practice it's only really kind of a walk through 
It's where the team, it, it's basically this. It's where the team gets a chance to show these guys the culture for the first time, what the team's all about, what the expectations are, meet the coaches, start to dig into the playbook a little bit, get a feel, meet your fellow rookies and second year guys and kind of build that camaraderie a little bit. And it gives the chance for the coaches to really just see uh, the players for the first time in person all together as a group, how everything's kind of meshing together. There's some projection there as far as um, a couple of these guys, and we'll talk about that. I think Pete talked about the tackles more than any any other position group out mm -hmm. there, and then maybe Kenneth uh, or Ken Walker. Um, and um, so there's a few things to talk about in and around the uh, the mini camp, and then maybe we can talk about a little bit how they might fit into the existing roster and kind of piece that together a little bit before the Seahawks move on to the May 23rd uh, organized team activity. Yeah. So um, looking at, at all of this, one of the big things that they do do here is that is that they uh, install certain parts of the playbook. And so they actually are, you know, with, with, they call it installation and it's just about getting guys up to speed saying, Hey, these are our plays. This is how our terminology, this is how we make, how we do stuff um, as far as that. Um, and it's about getting certain guys uh, a chance to, for that learning to begin, um, not just looking at the playbook and memorizing that stuff, but actually what it feels like to be out in on the field running those plays and you know what's expected of them, and that that is what the Seahawks were able to do here, and especially like you brought up the tackles, uh, it looks very much right now like um, both offensive tackles uh, that were drafted, um, Cross and Lucas. Um, are going to be the starters. It at, looks that way. That's what yeah. I got out of this whole thing. Yeah, and so they're going to start two rookie offensive tackles, um, which, is, which is crazy. I didn't, I didn't think it was possible. But Keith, what do you think about that? I can't think of a time I've ever seen a team go into a year with the idea that they're going to start two rookie offensive tackles, um, like any team in the NFL. I, I, I cannot think of a year where that was the plan um for any team and so it's it's definitely interesting but it's also the quickest way to get these two guys up to the point where they believe the team will be ready to compete with them you got to get them out there you got to let them take their lumps and and that kind of stuff so that way they can get the reps and they can learn and you don't do that sitting them on the bench and they're not trying to well they're going to try and compete but the the most important thing this year isn't um, wins and losses. It's getting all these rookies up to speed so they can be competitive a year from now and be challenging for playoff spots and, you know, maybe making a run if, if things line up. Uh, and so you've got to get the guys out there and, yeah, and I mean, it, it, at Pete Carroll's press conference, he was asked, you know, what stood out to you? And he immediately went to the, you know, the jam, uh, the tackles jumped out right off the bat. And then mm -hmm. basically in unison, he just mentioned cross and Lucas together as being kind of one thing. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about the attributes, the quickness, the, the athleticism, all that kind of stuff, the excitement, the competition, quote unquote, he talked about Forsyth, obviously, and Curran um, as guys that would compete. But I think you read it the same way I read it was that those guys are almost an afterthought in competing for more of a backup role. I, I just got the fact that th these guys were almost installed already yeah. as tackle one, tackle two, and then the backups. 
Yeah. And uh, I found that pretty exciting only because we already know that Cross was going to be in at left tackle. Um, to see that they value, and, and after looking at uh, Abraham Lucas in, in person, Abe Lucas, he wants to go by Abe, um, in person and seeing those guys together and viewing them as their bookends from now until you can't see out any further uh, is exciting to me. I know that it's painful. I know there's going to be a few lumps, but there's going to be more positives. Than oh, yeah. Lumps. Well, and the thing is that one of the things Pete Carroll talked about is that these guys move um, so well that they their feet are quick. They move um, like guys that are half their size in terms of, um, you know, their ability to, to, to match speed rushers and, and move in the, in the running game and get to their spot and that kind of stuff. And it's an athleticism that they haven't had at offensive tackle that Pete Carroll's excited about. And that honestly, Stone For Forsyth and Jake Curran are both good prospects. And we saw some really good things out of Curran last year since he got a chance to play, but neither of them have the ceiling of, uh, Lucas and cross. Both those guys have uh pro bowl potential, um, where I don't think Forsyth and Curran do. Um, so rather than develop by getting them out there and playing the two guys that are going to be middle of the pack at best, they want to get the guys out there that are going to be, you know, pro bowlers at best and get them experience. And that was, that's an important part of this. I do think that Jake Curran um, could offer some competition there, some real competition. I think he's got the motivation. He started the last five games. He didn't look really horrible. Um, he's improved, I think, probably, I assuming, in the offseason as far as strength and just conditioning and mindset. I think the mindset part of it is probably the aspect that we kind of undervalue sometimes because we're just seeing the play on the field, but he's, he's doing the work. He's got the mindset that he wants to go take that job. So I think it'll be a real competition at the right tackle spot. I do think, though, that the team would values getting both tackles started at the same time on the same journey together. It's just kind of it's that team camaraderie thing. I think mm -hmm. they want to bring those guys together and kind of have that nucleus. Um, and then you add the uh, the new offensive tackle likely in Austin Blythe. We've got three new starters on the offensive line. You mean center? Center. I'm sorry. You said tackle. Um, the other thing that I was going to say too, is the, um, it seems like the, the script has flipped a little bit as far as the strength on the offensive line, this, uh, with, with these two draft picks now in prior years, it's been the offensive guards that have kind of been the, the nucleus of the, of the interior of the offensive line. And, and you had Dwayne Brown, but then on the other side, it was a little bit weaker. And then, uh, now it seems like the offensive guards we've got the two starters still and after that it's a little wishy-washy and now we've got really four offensive tackles on the team i think for the first time in a long time where there's a little bit of confidence there that you know at least three of those guys are starter caliber guys that could come in right away and, and play yeah i mean they they do look like they're gonna have three new starters on the offensive line which we said they needed but also said they probably weren't willing to get three in the same off season. Cause that's hard and continuity is a big thing on the, on the offensive line. We didn't think they would commit to doing that, but it does appear that with Blythe and the two rookies, they're going to have three new starters. And honestly, I'm not sad about it. Uh, so how does, so how do you see the, the offensive line then shape up? So you think it's cross Lewis 
Blythe, um, Jackson, and then Jackson um, and Lucas and Lucas. Wow. So that, wow. and that's, that's just the way that I, I see that working. I mean, that's a think about that four of, um, sorry, three of those guys are young. Um, you know, there are, we have two rookies and a, a guy in the, in his third year, um, on that, 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 that line, this could be the, this could be the line for a long time. Um, and that's very interesting because turnover has been the thing since Pete Carroll got here. Just like the offensive line <laughs> turnover has been crazy. Just looking ahead, just briefly, uh, 2023 though, could see a likely change at uh, center and left or right guard. So you might have two additional starters next year, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. But then that group would move together um, as a, as a unit, possibly, you know, through a couple of contracts. So that would be, that would be fun. So um, the other thing that from this mini camp um, is a guy, uh, a guard, Gilmore out of Georgia state. Um, he's six foot one, which is short, 302 pounds. Um, but he is a plus athlete, um, for the position moves really well, natural leverage getting underneath. And the team really liked what they saw in, uh, in him because he's got that lateral quickness and the run blocking and, and all those kind of things. So he might be a guy to watch for. He kind of reminds me of Phil Haynes, except for Phil Haynes couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Um, well, and in fact, Phil Haynes and him are coming back to compete at the guard spot. I mean, Pete Carroll mentioned Phil Haynes and this guy's name out loud at the conference as, mm-hmm. as heading into the competition. And the reason that he liked this undrafted guy that you mentioned, Shamarius Gilmore, he's got 51 starts. So he's got all that experience. He comes right in. He just, I think Pete feels like that's that's one of the guys out of the undrafted camp here that's going to be able to actually have a, a chance at the roster. That, yeah, you're right. So um, here's one of the, yeah, over 4,000 snaps played in, in college. And here's the thing. His short shuttle was a 4.39. That's, Which is just a little bit slower than new draft pick Kobe Bryant, a corner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that, that'll tell you his lateral agility is scary good because, I mean, that puts him in cornerback, defensive back, safety range in, the, in terms of that number. And this guy weighs 302 pounds. So uh, how is he, he went, 300, is he 302 pounds? Yeah, 6'1", That seems light for a guard. Eh, still, he's six foot one. So... Uh, it, it's all, but for him, it's going to be about leverage. He's going to be able to get underneath the pads of anybody. Um, the question is, can he hold up, you know, and, and, um, not get out muscled. And so, you know, he's quick enough, you know, he's got the leverage, but then it's, you know, can he not get out muscled and does, is he long enough? Does he have the length to, um, get in and not be just pushed backwards? And right now.com has at guard, uh, in backup positions as phil haynes and pierre olivier lestage mm-hmm. so his competition there he's got a shot yep um pete also mentioned two players two draft picks by name um coming out now smith our uh, our other draft pick on the on the um at the edge position had the yep. undisclosed injury but uh he was really high on boy mafe um he said he was like molded he molded clay he could mm-hmm. pretty he came in raw but He's got so much upside. 
they feel like they're going to use him out of the gate as a situational pass rusher, hopefully develop him as an outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, I mean, they know they know what he can they know he can get up field and get after the quarterback, but they want him to be able to do more. Um, but he is um super athletic and super coachable, willing to try anything they ask him to do, listen, um, you know, they like what they've got in him and not just the athlete, but in the person. And they're gonna start him as that situational pass rusher and slowly add to his responsibilities. They want him to be a starting outside linebacker. And I think given the time and the development, he will be there and sooner than most people um, probably think. I think so. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. And Ken Walker, previously known as Kenneth Walker Mm -hmm. III, now Ken Walker um, looks like this is going to be a guy that can do it all. I mean, even Schneider came out and said, you know, he didn't receive the ball much out of the backfield and call it. That was just their scheme. Uh, We envision him to be able to do everything here. Yeah, and he showed in camp, you know, um, nice, like, hands and the ability to, um, you know, secure the ball and get up field quickly and and make it so it's hard on those linebackers um you know as he gets the ball out of the backfield he is an explosive guy he is a guy seahawk fans are gonna like him i know that there's a lot of hatred because he was drafted in the second round and people want to say that no running backs ever worth that high of a draft pick but they're gonna like him when they give him a chance he is he's an elite guy um and I'm I'm excited. I think him, it, the offensive line's got to be able to open up some holes. And with the rookies, you know, and, and all the new starters, it may not be pretty early on. But once they start to gel, um, Walker's going to take off, and he's it's going to be real fun. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! You have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, this uh, is one of the him. one of the picks that fans love to hate when it happens and love the pick, mm-hmm. uh, the player after he's on the field. And yeah. there's they just gonna the- be no denying the guy is gonna be one of the best rookie running backs in the NFL in 2022. It, he just is. And he's going to have that opportunity here in Seattle. It's likely we're not going to have Chris Carson available. It's likely mm-hmm. that Rashad Penny is going to have limited snaps and opportunities. And he's have has had injuries in the past that has limit his potential. And I think Kenneth Walker is going to be able to step right in there. And he may end up 
being the A number one starting running back for the Seattle Seahawks, you know, before midseason. Yeah. Um, I mean, it did kind of come out uh, with all of this that the team is uncertain about Chris Carson if he's ever going to play again um, because of the neck injury. And, and we've just heard that over that. and over and over this offseason. Yeah. And so um, he's still on the roster and they'll, they're going to give him a chance to see if he can, you know, pass a physical and all of that. But at this point, the team is planning and acting like Chris Carson is not on the roster anymore. And you know that they're in communication. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's not absolutely. like they're, it's void of any talking or anything back and forth. They know exactly where he's at. No, mm-hmm. I did see, you know, a workout video that, um, that Carson's camp put out. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so I know that he's working out with the intention of coming back. It's not like he's sitting at home sulking, saying, I'm never going to play again. That's not where this is at. This is at the point where he's trying everything he possibly can to get physically in shape and back ready to go. He just doesn't know what the doctor's going to say yet. Yeah. And the really what it comes down to is, can he get cleared to play? And if he can't get cleared to play, you know, the team isn't going to, he can't get out on the field and, and, and help the Seahawks. And they have to, they have to be ready to move on without him. Um, and the way that they're acting is that they don't expect him to play. That's why they drafted a running back that high and why they paid Rashad pennies that much. Um, Cause it felt like I, they overspent to, in order to keep penny around. And then, they drafted a running back high. They got the second running back off the board and only a few picks after the first one went off the board and they knew they needed a guy that could be a option one a, and if they and the, believed in penny, they wouldn't have done it so soon. The best case scenario for Seattle is all three are able to go. And that's a good problem to have. And we'll just figure it out, you know. Yep. Um, maybe one of them gets traded midseason before the trade deadline. Who knows? I don't know. I'm well, just given, saying that three. Given Carson and Penny, you go in with all three of them, knowing yeah. that one of them is going to get hurt early. Um, but ultimately, Keith, in, in, in any game, you know, you you give all three guys some, um, some carries early on, and then you just ride the hot hand, right? Yeah. Who's having the best day? Perfect. Okay couple more undrafted guys uh, i think you mentioned one earlier in the guard um gilmore mm-hmm. so but yep. um they really liked linebacker by jones um one of the undrafted players to make a good first impression with uh, with uh, pete you mentioned him um said he looks the part very athletic quick um he's got the background which means he's had you know d- i think dad and a couple cousins uh in the nfl um, so he's got that going for him and he's a guy that he feels like he can come in and compete right away for at least a spot on the special teams unit, which is where he would have to find his way. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Who's the, who is the safety out of Idaho? I'm trying to get, look for his name again. Um, Hold, give me a second here. Is in my, uh, Deadman. Yeah, Ty- Tyrese Deadman, um, that the Seahawks liked him. They they thought he was a tryout player. Um, he had a couple, you know, had a standout day at practice, and the um, team is trying to figure out how to get him on the ninety man uh, roster. So, uh, in fact, they they mentioned that they were they're signing him, but they haven't oh. they haven't released anyone yet. So it's not an official move. Um, but they're, they like what they saw from him and that's always interesting. Um, 
Tariq Woolen, the super freak athlete, uh, cornerback, fifth round pick, did not participate in the first two days of minicamp because he's had a tight hamstring. And so the team was holding him out, but he was out there watching, learning, asking questions. The team was really impressed with um, his, you know, he didn't just stand there and watch because he couldn't play. He wanted to be a part of things, wanted to learn, um, was there with the coaches working on, you know, um, where to place his hands when on the jam and how they want him to move his feet with the kick step. And even though he couldn't get out there and run, they, he was still there learning and working. And, and that um, was something that really impressed the team to the point where, you know, between those two and then Kobe Bryant, who looked natural and just smooth out there in the defense, Pete Carroll was really happy with the defensive backs. And he thinks that um, coming into the off season, it was like the big question mark was what they were going to do at, you know, the whole defensive backfield. But now he feels like it could be a strength because you've got, um, he's got a lot of players that he likes and he thinks that they're all coachable and trainable and, they're going to get a lot out of these guys, even if they're not household names. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with the with the room. You've got Trey Brown, Artie Burns, Sidney Jones, Niall Warrior, uh, Warrior, which I believe they they um, they cut. Um, John Reed, Mike Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, Justin Coleman. That's not a bad room, you know. Mm-hmm. When you add that to the safety room that we've currently got, the back end in this defense, I think, is greatly improved from. A year prior, there's going to need a little bit of reps to get yeah, it all cause together. Because in the listed at safety, like guys that you didn't mention, um, would be Diggs and Adams at safety, but then also Blair and Amadi, who are listed at safety, even though they both play, yeah. um, you know, nickel corner. And Ryan Neal. And, you know, Ryan Neal, who's been so versatile and such a good can you imagine? Guy. Can you imagine Ryan Neal with the new coaches, Sean Desai and Carl Scott? Like, yeah, I think to me, to me, you you have to add, and, and I think Pete Carroll alluded to this in his press conference. He even mentioned the defensive backs coaches by mm-hmm. name in his press conference, calling them out for just like the difference that it's already made um, in coaching and the way that things are presented. Uh, hands-on approach on Desai, Carl Scott came over uh, this this last offseason with new defensive coordinator um, Clint Hurt, part of that team, and. Um, I'm excited. Like this is one of the, mm-hmm. the position groups on the team that I'm going to be most watching during yeah. training camp because it's imperative that these guys try to get come together uh, before the season. And it's a new defensive scheme. It's going to be new terminology, new defensive scheme. Yeah, um, new, as, new assignments. You you look at the fact that they're going to more of a three four um, means that what you're asking your defensive ends to do is different. They're lining up in different gaps. They're two gapping on t- at times instead of just, you know, trying to get into a gap and stay there. Um, you know, you've got uh, linebackers that have different responsibilities because now you've got to, they've got to fill multiple gaps and they've got to be able to slide and, and work with the guys around them. And it's, it's a very different, um, it's a different scheme and it's just because all those things are different. I'm excited to see what this is going to be. And honestly, um, this team needed to, they needed to change. Um, they needed to evolve and the scheme that made that won this team, a super bowl, um, had started to become stale and they needed new eyes. They needed new ideas. 
and credit Pete Carroll for recognizing that his defense had become stale and going out and getting guys to come in and bring new ideas and new like concepts and just uh, change. Pete Carroll's willingness to adapt and become, um, you know, more innovative with his defense is is huge. I mean, the guys the guys in his seventies, and he's willing to do that. I think that's phenomenal. I think also giving guys existing guys guys that have been on the roster a new opportunity to show out, and and we all talked about the way that Ken Norton and and company. Uh, had a difficult time putting players in the best position to be successful. And this, to me, is the most optimistic thing that can happen is a new set of eyes all the way around. Everything gets thrown out the window. You start fresh. That means all the players get a chance to start fresh, too. So you get a guy like Alton Robinson, who's got all the talent in the world, and he's just been waiting, and you and, and he's been sitting back because you want to get Benson Mayoa on the field. You know, now ben, those players are cleared out. Alton Robinson's got a clear path now to at least compete mm-hmm. um, with Boy Boy and Mafe and and some of those other guys, and I just think it's a it's a great opportunity for guys to be able to show and come out and maybe maybe get a new look that they just didn't have in the past. So yeah, I mean, and there was honestly this this is um, if those of you that are were, are watching the the YouTube feed here, um, as soon as he mentioned you know bring putting guys in position. Um, I rolled my eyes pretty hard and I didn't realize I was doing it. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably that. <laughs> that might, not be a, might be a great look. But it comes down to, I mean, that was a great example with, with Robinson. Robinson is a young, athletic guy and just good things happened when he was on the field. But they kept pulling him off and he'd only get a few snaps here or there because Benson Mayoa, they wanted to get him on the field. So you, why? Because they're paying him more? He's not the better player. He was never the better player. Um, and so it, those kind of things didn't make sense. And then you looked at the way they used Jamal Adams as a deep oh, uh, yeah, right. guy instead of getting him up in the box. And they weren't using the players in the way that they could get the most out of them. And it was so frustrating. And I look at this new coaching staff and coming in, that's what all of them were talking about was like, you know, you have these athletes, let them do what they do best build around that you know and uh i am excited i am really am i think this yeah. coaching staff is going to be good i'm excited because you add everyone we've just been talking about so you look at the defensive roster and then you you look at the coaching and the the opportunities there this defense is going to be underrated now mm-hmm. the, to me this defense if just you just have the look at the defense to me this is a top 15 defense easy and i could i could make an argument based on improvements that we are likely to see that this could be a say top 10-ish defense so you take that and you just set it aside and you go to the offense and you look at all the position groups the running back room the, the wide receivers the tight ends with noah fant and will disley and colby parkinson with the upside there now are two tackles that have pro bowl potential austin blythe who ran that rams offense very effectively uh, for a few years before um, before last year. And um, you just kind of add that all together. And the only thing, the only piece of ingredient right now holding back the offense is the quarterback. And if you can get decent point guard level play that kind of Pete Carroll is looking for out of either Drew Locke or Geno Smith, uh, you could end up winning more games than I think that 
that people are talking about right now. So yeah, if people I'm, are saying four I'm or five as, wins right now, I think that there's a possibility that there could be seven to nine wins with this roster. See, and I'm I'm not going to join you on that because I do think that the quarterback play will always hold this team back. Um, and while there's so much to like about what where things have gone on the offensive line, those two rookies are going to play like rookies. It's gonna be ugly at times, and it'll be good at times. And and, and you'll see glimpses of of mm-hmm. what's to come, and it'll be fun. And and you'll be like, wow, look look at that. But there'll be other times when it just looks pathetic. Um, and I expect this to offense to have problems and stall out and 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 struggle. And it's I think you mentioned that's the keyword right there: stall out. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't have a quarterback that's able to get the ball consistently to Tyler Lockett, to DK Metcalf, to Noah Fant, to the playmakers, running backs out of the backfield. And you have instances of where your tackles are making mistakes and kill drives because uh, the quarterback took a sack or whatever. So I get what you're saying. I know mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. I'm just looking at upside. Um, but the the downside is is there as well. It's just right on the surface. It's like obvious um, yeah. if, if Drew Locke and Geno Smith just have average years based on their own averages, it's going to be a long year. Um, yeah. And I think that you look at, um, the defensive backs, like, okay, I, the safeties are, are there, but the cornerbacks, you know, Bryant, um, and Wollen, and then they, they've got to get Brown back from injury. Like there's going to be some learning curves and, and growing pains there. Um, and you know, uh, on the, at the line, you know, they don't really have a penetrating defensive tackle yet. It's one of the weak spots here on the, on the roster. Their outside linebackers are all young and learning the position because they were defensive ends before. And now they've got to be uh three, four outside linebackers and they need another inside linebacker. Cause I don't think that you win a championship with Cody Barton as a starting interior yeah. uh, linebacker. So the, the defensive roster isn't done. Um, there, there are some great pieces, but they've got to learn and develop. And that's only going to happen once the season begins, they need to improve over, um, over the course of the season. And I think that we're looking at that. They need another off season to finish, uh, re- retooling the roster. So I don't want everyone's to get their hopes up because you and I are being really positive. I think there's so much to love here. I just expect them. They're a year away. They just are. They need all of these young players to develop and grow and learn. And a year from now, when they've filled in the last couple pieces of the roster and hopefully found a quarterback that isn't terrible, this team will be ready to win. Cool. To me, this is, if you go back, this, the roster right now is 2011. Or yeah, or yeah, okay, slightly think, better version of 2011, I think. No, no, I think it's 2011 because um, there it's right that that was a team that was led by Tavares Jackson and struggled offensively at times, including the six to three loss to Cleveland. Um, but it was that was the Tavares Jackson year. Then they got their rookie quarterback and the last couple pieces to the puzzle. And 2012, everything took off. And they were 36 seconds away from beating Atlanta in the playoffs and making the NFC title game. And they came back the year after that and won the whole dang thing. Um, 
And really, that is that's where I see this team. It's bad quarterback play. Not going to be a good um, end of the re, end of the roster end of the year. But the roster is coming around. It's developing quickly, and they're poised to be where they want to be a year from now. And that's a team that can go deep into the playoffs. So speaking of the roster, the next several shows over the next six weeks we'll probably focus on the roster we're going to be talking about um position groups uh where we're standing out with strength where where our weaknesses are we're going to find out where we stand on all that stuff so by the time we get to camp we're, mm-hmm. we're really well versed in in who we've got what we're looking for and then by the uh by the first of september or so we'll have a prediction show so we'll go from here where everything's just hunky dory we'll drill down and we'll see we'll see where we're at after we really get into the weeds on this stuff so anything else keith we'll get out of here no let's go ahead and get out of here um the one thing that i'm excited to get into those shows about and really do the research for is to look at just how deep this team is because there's some places where depth was a massive concern a week ago and i'm feeling a little bit better um Mm -hmm. now so that that's interesting so well once we get into it and i because i haven't i haven't dug into the depth that deeply um but i'm very interested to figure out where that goes depth that deeply yes indeed keith yes indeed <laughs> let's get out of here find keith on twitter at myers nfl i'm at nwc hawk you can find the show at your favorite podcast platforms and youtube make sure you hit the subscribe button until next time go hawks, go hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.